Thanks for joining us for the Real Life Theology Podcast by Renew.org. This is Jason. In this episode, we get to hear from a few women, including Renew.org's own Renee Sproles, who describe their experiences turning simple acts of hospitality into disciple-making wins. You'll hear them share stories around intentional hospitality leading to opportunities to share the gospel. Let's jump in and listen to how you can offer radically ordinary hospitality. Today, we are going to be talking about radically ordinary hospitality. And I've invited some people that um, I think can really help us explore this topic. Uh, Bonnie Blaylock is a friend of mine. We've been friends for years and years and years. And actually, your radically ordinary hospitality is really how we got to know each other, which we'll talk about that later. And then Bobby Solly, another friend of mine, she's blessed our family with her personally with her radically ordinary hospitality, but she's done this in many ways in different seasons of her life. And then Cheyenne Avila, family friend and college student, and um, we've had her into our home living with us. And then also, um, I think your college community does hospitality really well. So we're going to talk about that as well. So the um, the inspiration for this really came from Rosaria Butterfield's book, Radically Ordinary Hospitality, The Gospel Comes with a House Key. And in it, she describes how she came to know the Lord. And it really was through um, just eating in the home of, was it Ken and Floyd Smith, uh, local pastors, and they just regularly had her in to eat. And they would pray and they would sing, but she wasn't a project and there was no pressure for her to perform or do anything. And just slowly, um, this kind of loving welcome really got a hold of her. And I'm so inspired because she really does this a million times better than anybody I know. So she can be kind of intimidating. But let's just talk about um, how you all have experienced generous hospitality in your own lives, because I'm guessing that because you all practice it, you've ha- you've experienced it. So, um, Cheyenne, why don't you why don't you talk about how you and I got hooked up? But then there's maybe other things that, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I ended up living in your home for two years. <laughs> so that's a very extreme um, case of a good extreme case of hospitality. Um, but you've always been in my life like since I could walk basically. Um, and so you kind of just, you were known as the, the woman in my small group who was very wise. Both of you guys were very wise. And I, um, just grew up having you guys just in my life, you kind of moved away some, but, um, you reentered my life, my senior year, um, was going through one of those tough times and you just came in and just started asking me to lunch and you, um, really showed that you cared about me and you cared about my growth and just how I was doing. Um, and I didn't necessarily get that a whole lot. I didn't get that intentionality. And so, um, it turned into this discipleship of, um, you just kind of giving me advice here and there during lunch, um, and just pointing me um, towards the cross. And so, um, starting my freshman year of college, the summer before you asked me, um, if, if I wanted to move in, part-time just to kind of, you know, test the waters of independency and, um, (laughs) you know, just kind of just start that transition of adulthood. And so, um, it turned into me moving in full-time. And so two years I got to live and breathe discipleship, Mm -hmm. true life on life. And so I think 
it was just such a gift to me because I was able to look at your example of what does it look like to um, disciple? What does it look like to do the walk, God's walk, um, outside of college and in everyday life? And so um, it was just such a blessing, you know, to see how you and your kids reacted um, and how he was at the center of that and how God was also at the center of your marriage because I never had that experience before. Mm-hmm. Um I think one of my favorite things um, is every morning, you know, you guys would get up super early and then I got me getting up super early. (laughs) So I'd get in the word in your nook. um, And I just loved that I would be getting in the word and you guys would just like be passing by. And I had that freedom and that ability to just be like, hey, what does this mean um, in the Bible? Um, What do you think about this? And I think that even just shows the more in depth of like just hospitality and just like showing God's love through that. Um, yeah. That, yeah. You, you are such a blessing to me. I'll just say I did invite her on so she could like give a promo about me. <laughs> I've invited her on because I'm the least likely person to do this. I'm, I'm very introverted. I like my space. We picked a lot um, in our neighborhood where there's nobody behind us. So I don't have to talk to a neighbor. <laughs> and so um, and and so it's doable. So it didn't start out like, boom, you're in my house full time. This was a this was a gradual relationship that we built, but it's accelerated when people are in your home, whether for an evening, for a period of time in their lives. And so I want I wanted you to come because it blessed me so much. I kind of thought I can do this. I can do this just once. It, it blessed me so much. Like I, we want to do it again. Mm-hmm. We're just kind of a uh, open to the idea of doing it again. There's probably no other you though, Shiana. I know. The next one won't be as good. It won't be as good. Um, Just to kind of like add to what you were saying though. Um, I think too, first off, you, you showed me how to have hospitality towards my friends and my people. I hated cooking before, um, I started living here and now I love it. And I find it so peaceful just to be able to cook things and bake. And, um, even I was on a retreat this weekend with some of the people in my ministry and we were talking to some people from a different school and I was explaining you and Mr. David and just how, um, you guys are my mentors and things like that. And the people that you've blessed, like my friends that I've brought into this home have also been blessed by your hospitality mm-hmm. because you love them like you love me. Mm-hmm. And so they were even telling like our staff people those kind Aww, of things. That's and great. so it was just cool how you do that. And so, <laughs> and now like I love having people over and having dinner just like you do. And so I know you'll probably get to that. Yeah, soon, yeah, de- we'll definitely get to that. Yeah. So Bobby, have you experienced this in your life at different seasons of your life? Um, generous hospitality like this? Oh, yes. Um my parents did it. I, I grew up watching it being done. Um, my dad was in construction, and we moved all over the uh, eastern seaboard when I was growing up. And every time we moved to a new town, mother was the first one to meet people and have them into our house. Wow. Uh, she didn't wait for other people to invite them. She did the inviting. So I grew up watching um, people come into our house that we didn't know and eating dinner with us. So when I left uh, my hometown in Decatur and moved to Georgia the first time, I looked for that, and that's what I found. I found Dolly and Jim Moore, and I found Fred and Mary Dover, and Walt and Jan Moore, who took me in just like one of theirs. And I could come and go in their house. I knew where everything was in the kitchen. They treated me like family. And so when I moved to Texas, I looked for that. When I moved here, I looked for that. And then when I came into my own as an adult, really, after college and after schooling, I wanted to do that in my own home. Mm -hmm. Um, 
So it was all by example that I yeah. saw it all happening. So yeah. and that yeah, powerful. What about you, Bonnie? Mm-hmm. I think the same as you, Bobby. I uh, my parents did that growing up. We were military, so we would move often. Um, and you're kind of the odd man out there. So if you want to have friends, you seek the friends out. So that's the way they did it. And and um, growing up, my friends, um, I felt like I always had several moms, and in fact, would call them. Hey mom, hey mom, hey mom. I couldn't keep track of them all. Um, and we would do that. We'd go into their houses. We, I knew everything was in their kitchens and vice versa. So, um, that's how I grew up doing that. Um, when I lost my mom, my best friend's, um, neighbor, it was at Christmas time. And one of the best examples I, I know of, of hospitality that made me want to like forever pay it forward, I think, was at Christmas time, I went over there and it was just been two months and their Christmas tree was set up and my mom used to sew these little um, doves. They're white and red stuffed doves. And she had them all over her tree. She sold them all over town and we didn't have any because she had sold them all. And she immediately went to her tree and plucked off these doves and said, you need these. These are your doves, you know? <laughs> so I was like, oh my goodness, this is exact. That to me is what hospitality is. It's a generosity and a welcoming of spirit that just makes anybody who comes into your home happy to be there. So thanks for making us all cry at the very beginning, Bonnie. <laughs> oh, that's a good one. So, so that kind of answers the why you began to practice it. Even you, Cheyenne, as a young person, you experience it. And you, you practice it, you pass it on, um, sort of like the gospel, really. So um, at the end of Romans 13, I want to read a, a passage here. Paul is talking about what love and action looks like. He writes, be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. So... I want to just give some examples like it can look like this or it can look like this of how you have practiced it through the years. And even you, Cheyenne, have had two more years or a year and a half of being able to practice it on your own because you did move out and you are practicing it. So um, can you tell us what it's looked like through the years? Bonnie, we'll start with you. Back 30 something years ago when we first got married um, and even before when we were in college, we um, also very introverted. Um, stepped out of our box and said, okay, we just want to have some friends. So we started a small group in our house and it was like every Tuesday and my husband led it and it was like seven o'clock. You come, I'm going to have a pan of brownies basically and some tea. And like, that's about all I'm going to do for you. (laughs) (laughs) And so everyone, we, I don't know, six, seven families, I guess, probably in total. And that was before any of us had had children. Um, and every Tuesday, it was just on the calendar and it was something we did. And we were all very introverted. It took us probably a good two years before any of us opened up and said anything real. Um, but then we did. And then it was, those were our people. And, you know, at 3 a.m. if something happened, that's who we were going to call. We all had our children together. You were one of them. <laughs> um, and it was a standing, a standing time where we were just in each other's lives and, I think I said then, and I still say to this day, um, okay, the first time you come over, I'm going to clean my house and we're going to, it's going to look okay. After that, you get what you get and I'm not doing anything special and I'm not serving you. So here's all the stuff in the cabinet and here's everything. So I I wasn't like, you know, the hostess with the mostest, but I think everybody was fairly comfortable there and they felt like, I mean, half the time people would fall asleep and 
if you're not comfortable enough to fall asleep. Then. <laughs> um, so anyway, we, we study the Bible and we um, ask hard questions and we cried together and laughed together and had parties and um, went to each other's kids events and just those were our people. Mm-hmm. It was awesome. Mm-hmm. And we never stopped doing that until, oh gosh, it was life got busy after a while. It got harder and harder to do. And then um, there were some life events happened in our group and we didn't meet anymore, but um, we've since started different groups and done the same thing. Yes. So it's awesome. Yes. So yeah, you taught me that it, um, cause this was in the nineties is a while ago. Um, and you know, that was Martha Stewart's heyday. And, um, so you taught me that it can be simple and it doesn't, everything doesn't have to be perfect. And it's, you're right. It's not entertaining. This is, no. this is something different than entertaining. Uh, what about you, Bobby? How's it looked? Mine looks lots of different ways. It does. <laughs> I have lots yes. of different kinds of um, hospitality going on in my house. And I'm like, Bonnie, I want my house to be just like it was with Walt and Jan Moore. I want people to come in. I want them to be able to say, where's your glasses? There they are. And the next time you just go get what you want. And that's what they do. So some of this started with, I have a pool in the backyard, and some of it started there. Uh, my niece has, a well, even before she had Daisy, she would invite all of her friends her age. They would come to Bobby's pool, and Bobby was a part of it, but they just made themselves at home, and they still do. And from that group, we started a Thursday night Bible study, and again, they're in my home every Thursday night. Uh, we did life together. We continue to do life together. Um, things have evolved and changed, and we've got new group members, but it's still, they come in my house and they feel safe. Um, they feel protected. They feel welcome. And um, that's what I wanted. Uh, three years ago, I think it was, um, I I had the opportunity of doing a different kind of hospitality. Um <laughs> A young friend of mine, her parents moved across the country, and um, Caitlin was a senior in high school, and she didn't want to move. So um, through lots of conversations, she moved in with me. Uh, so I finished raising a 17-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> Who became Which, my daughter-in-law. Exactly. So I'm eternally grateful to you for blessing her. <laughs> um, which was a huge step. I too am an introvert. And so to have somebody living in my house day in and day out, we had some difficult times, but we had lots of good times and lots of growth. Uh, after that, a young, another young friend needed a place to land for about six months. So she landed in my upstairs. Again, another blessing. And a year ago, my nephew needed a safe place to be. And so he now lives with me. Uh, he has the whole upstairs and he he is working now, and he's getting back on his feet, and we're hoping soon he will be able to move on. But I wanted my house to be – I didn't know I wanted my house to be this way until it became this way. I wanted it to be a safe place. I want to have people that know they can come and stay with Bobby, and you're safe. And she's not going to push you. She's not going to She's not going to ask you a bunch of hard questions. She's not going to blast you with uh, the Bible over your head, but she's going to encourage and she's going to support. And so that's hopefully, I think it has been, what my house has become 
Um, and I feel ble- very blessed. Uh, my other niece and her family are moving to Murfreesboro, so they are also landing <laughs> in my house. <laughs> Round four, right. happening again. Uh, oh. So it's it's sometimes my house is like a, I don't know how many people have the code to my garage door. So they, yeah. they come in and out and in and out. <laughs> Bobby, I'm going to bring this. Okay, the code is. So it's all over town. <laughs> yes. One, um we have a mentor in Indianapolis where we lived for three years, and his mother was a genius at this as well. And when she died, they asked the people um, at the funeral to raise their hand if they had a key to her house. <laughs> and 40 people wow. raised their hands. And I was like, that's inspiring. Because if you're seeing three of us are introverts. There's only one extreme extrovert down here at the end. So you, you, it's not necessarily that you're naturally equipped to do this. You're just attentive to what God is placing in front of you. And he, he equips you to yeah. do it. You know, like he just does. And it's so it's. Yeah, I just love the way your house is, Bobby. The people just come and go. You have standing dinners on Wednesday nights. I have standing dinners. Um, and whoever needs a place to go eat, come in my house on Wednesday night. Um, and again, they just come in, make themselves at home. And I, <laughs> but I, I do, it is God who gives me the strength to do this because otherwise I would not be able to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It's not a natural, it's become more natural, but it is not mm-hmm. my natural inclination to just have any and everybody in my space. Mm-hmm. Um, but he does give me the, the strength to do that. And he gives me the um, ability to grow into it. Mm-hmm. And I think I have grown into it. Uh, it feels weird in the summer if I don't have bunches of people over at my house every day or, you know, at least twice a week. That doesn't feel normal anymore. Mm-hmm. So I think he's mm-hmm. given me that ability to uh, reach out and make pe- people feel. Yeah. yeah. That reminded me of something. Yeah, you said the pool, and we have a pool too. So we've had <laughs> over over the pandemic um, time we had when no one was able to get together. I just said, "Hey, for the young moms with little kids at home that are going insane, I'll stay inside. You just come over and use the outside pool to have an activity to get away." And oh my goodness, what a blessing that was for you know you can come with the, a couple of sisters or whatever can get together, and or just a husband and wife who need some a time. So I looked at it as um, whatever I have, it wasn't ever mine to begin with. So let me just use what I have, however inadequately, to bless somebody else. And that very first um, small group house that we met in. I was just thinking that. Describe that house. Did not have a pool. (laughs) It was barely 800 square feet. You could not open the oven door and the back door at the same time. Um, (laughs) Their laundry room was in the kitchen, in the, in the dining room area. Um, and there were six, seven families meeting there very happily every Tuesday night, did not care. So it doesn't, you do not have to have this grand estate to host a bunch of people at all. It can be very, very humble. Yeah, like we're made for community. And, you know, at the age we were at when we were at your little tiny rental house, it was just wonderful to be getting our feet underneath us as adults in a group of like-minded people. It was, that was really beautiful. All right, Cheyenne, your turn. What, um, what ways do you do it? You're in college about to graduate. Mm-hmm. So this college years, you've got your own apartment now yes. out on your own. We miss you. I know. I miss you too. <laughs> so tell me what you do. Um, so I live in, um, a little guest house, super cute. Um, but it is, um, it's perfect for just me and my roommate and, um, it is a lot smaller. So having, you know, big, 
house events with, you know, 10, 15 people can sometimes be a lot because there's just not a lot of seating. But I know that um, last semester, our ministry challenges the upperclassmen to have their own Bible studies. And so at the beginning of the pandemic, my roommate and I, we everything was shut down on campus. There was no events for organizations mm-hmm. to plan. And so her and I just went on campus and we just saw everybody who has a blue lanyard is a freshman because that's where all the (laughs) dorm keys are on so if you see a blue lanyard they're most likely a freshman and so we literally masks on everything went onto campus and um introduced ourselves to a bunch of people and we invited them to play volleyball with us at sportscom because it's outside all that stuff but out of that we made a bible study with about seven girls and um they came to our house every week every monday and we hopped into the book of James and just were very intentional, but it wasn't necessarily always a Bible study. You know, we did where we painted pumpkins one night with some of them. Um, we did tie-dyeing t-shirts and things like that. And so um, just, it's been such a blessing to be able to start that process of hospitality mm-hmm. and just welcoming young people in um, because I know it's kind of nice that I've been, I'm from here because having freshmen come in from different states, they're not comfortable at first um, and they're really nervous just about what college is even going to be like, but even being in a town that they don't know. And so another example of this is there's a girl that I'm leading. Her name is Bella and she's from Georgia, but she doesn't have a car. And so um, she has to be driven to and from basically anything that we do. And so it's been such a blessing also to be able to drive her places because it's grown our relationship so much more. Um, and she's kind of the girl right now that I've been taking under my wing and just God's allowing me to disciple her um, on a more intentional level. And if it wouldn't have been that way if I hadn't been driving her because those right. were the times when, you know, I pick her up, like I literally leave my house, pick her up and come right back. And you know, a lot of people are like, well, that's a burden. That's a waste of gas. You know, a lot of college students are like that because, you know, we're all broken. So, um, but like even just like taking those little sacrifices there to for the sake of the gospel um, and just, um, yeah, building that relationship. Mm-hmm. I just great. I, I, I'm seeing two kinds of hospitality here. So where we're taking people who know the Lord um, at different stages of um, spiritual maturity and kind of helping them along. And then where you are really, Cheyenne, is like boots on the ground at a state university. A lot of the young women that you're you know, blessing, they don't know the Lord at all. Mm-hmm. Is that right? I mean, that's what I'm perceiving. Yeah, it's yeah. a lot more of, because we're in the South, it's a mm-hmm. lot of cultural Christianity. So a lot of girls um, kind of just like go through the motions with religion in a way, um, pew fillers, if you would say, you know, showing them the love of Christ. And then like our being compelled by Christ um, flows out into them. And so then they're able to see the true gospel and see the truth and not see it as a checkbox kind of mentality. Because I feel like a lot of, especially young women um, who are from the South, it's did I pray today? Did I read my Bible today? Did I do this today? Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of my experience has been with more of those girls. I haven't been around a lot of women who don't know God at all. They either they they believe in him, they know who he is, or it's like I said, you know, mm-hmm. cultural Christianity. Mm-hmm. So. Um, but what we're I'm seeing themes here: availability, um, a, a love for people. They're not projects. You know, I wouldn't want somebody making me a project. That would make me mad. You know, and so, but loving them. And you said, Bobby, like you didn't ask them really hard questions, but you did. You, <laughs> you do. So you get, you're in relationship. 
So like, so she's also mentored my daughter. She didn't live with you, but you did mentor her. And um, once you know that somebody loves you and cares for you, you can't ask um, That's probably true. probing questions. And I think that's something that you do well. And, and they're not your project, but you're just in a loving way saying, hey, have you thought about this? I remember when I lived in Georgia, um, I was 30, um, but had not left really Decatur. I had not really left home. So that was my first really experience of being gone from home and floundered. And Dolly and Jim Moore in particular loved me beyond measure, but they would ask, they began to ask me difficult questions. And once I grew in God and kind of went with God and then kind of went away from God and went kind of came back to God. I remembered the mentoring that those older women gave me. Um, and I remember so very well how they taught me, not by getting out the Bible and teaching me verse chapter, um, but by how they lived and how they talked to me, how they encouraged me. Um, and that's what I wanted to do. And that's how the, my, the Thursday night Bible study actually started. Those, women in that class are all 20, 30 years younger than me now. Um, and I have found it's been so interesting over the past year, too, I guess. Right here, there are, everybody's younger than me. <laughs> Just I, I, really, I really don't have a whole lot of people that are my age. I have a true love for younger women. I really do. And I have lived a hard life and have come back to the Lord through some hard struggles and hard times. And I do think I have a lot to offer women who have either been through that or are going through that or um, just need to grow. And so I've surrounded myself with those. They range in age from 30 to 50. And it's not that they don't mentor me. They do. But I think an older woman, whether that older woman be 23 mentoring a 20-year-old or a 60-year-old mentoring a 30-year-old or an 80-year-old mentoring a 60-year-old. I think we don't do that enough in the church. Mm -hmm. I, and I don't know that we do that enough. And we um, need it and desperately. And we need it desperately. Younger women are looking for um, women who have been there. They're looking for women who can listen and, and at least under, try to understand where they are and tell them it's okay. It's okay. You're going to be okay. But it is hard right now. And but I'm going to help walk you through it. Mm -hmm. um, we don't do that enough, I don't think. Yeah, there's epidemic um, proportions of families breaking down, mm -hmm. whether they divorce, formally divorce or not. Um, we're finding that in the parenting class we do together. The church is our family. You know, we are sisters and aunts and uncles and grandparents in Christ to one another, and and we have we have to be that way mm -hmm. to one another. And the small groups that we're doing and that people are doing all over the country to me, are going to be the answer mm -hmm. or one of the answers in those mm -hmm. small groups if we can get them entered in, intergenerational, mm -hmm. uh, where you do life together with that small group and you have them into your home. It is part of hospitality where you have them into your home and that small group becomes your family. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Cheyenne, did you have a thought? I saw, I saw you move. I was like, yes. <laughs> um, what you said, how important it is just for the older women to come forward and just, you know, let, let the younger women know, like it's, I know it sucks right now, but like, it's not going to be like this forever. You remember that phrase, don't you? <laughs> like that definitely. And I don't know if yeah. I can go into an example of that. I don't know how. Sure. Go ahead. Uh, yeah. So, um, 
yeah, it was definitely had one of those moments with Renee. Um, some family drama definitely happened with me and God grew me so much living here, obviously. And, um, I distinctly remember crying and crying and crying and thinking that what was going on in my life was going to be forever. And this is just how it was going to be. And I was going to not be in a relationship with a family member and they hated me and all of this. Um, and Renee, I just remember Renee sitting me down and saying, you know what? I know that this is hard right now, but it's not going to be like this forever. And she reiterated that to me time after time again. And I just, she taught me to trust in God and just to um, really just let him hold me up. And she was right. <laughs> I mean, she was uh, through the wisdom of God, yeah, you know. And yeah. so um, I am here. I'm living proof of um, that tactic works. And mm -hmm. that's why it's mm -hmm. so important because, you know, without that intentionality, like, I wouldn't be on the campus right now sharing the gospel. Yeah. Honestly. And, and again, I really want to say this is not how wonderful Renee is. What it is, is you see somebody with amazing potential who has just had a couple of knocks in life that is just not really fair and not really your fault. And you, you see, you see somebody and you think, oh my goodness, I see what God can do in and through you. God wants to do with you. I get a glimpse of it. I don't know the future, but I get a glimpse of it. And it's giving people the space to do that. It's just giving people the space to let um, God get in there and do what he does best through his spirit and through his word. And um, so, yeah, I'll take credit for giving you the bedroom, <laughs> letting you hang out with us and seeing that we're not perfect. I mean, you saw you saw us get crossways with each other, my husband and I. You saw um, conflict we had with our children. Um, it, it helps, I think. It just accelerates everything that God can do in a relationship when you're really in there mm -hmm. doing life together, don't you think? Mm -hmm. So, okay. So is this kind of hospitality? This is These are great stories, and I could just sit around telling these stories all day because it makes me so happy to hear, you know, just beautiful life on life like this. But um, is this for every season of life for every person? Mm. Bonnie, what do you think? For every season of life for every person. <laughs> no, I would say not. Um, uh, I think about... Uh, the families who do foster work, which good, God bless them. Um, that is really, really, really hard. And that is one thing that we looked at for just a minute and we decided, no, we have small children in our house already um, that we were responsible for and decided that kind of hospitality, that sort of hard work was just not going to be for us, for what we considered the safety of our family. Other families make different decisions for the same reasons. When you're raising small children, life is a lot harder. It's a lot busier. But hospitality isn't always convenient either. It just is. You do what you do with what you have when you have it. Just, I think you need to evaluate as a family and be honest with everybody involved. Like if you're bringing someone into your home, you might want to ask your other children <laughs> if that's good with them um, and take a family vote, you know, um, that kind of thing. If you are maybe you have an illness or, you know, you have to take care of elderly people in your family too. Um, there's just life seasons change. So your availability will change. Yeah. Uh, Rosaria Butterfield talks about this in her book, like they, they have fostered uh, lots of children and adopted several of them. And that, that was a season where this other stuff that she writes about was not happening. Like that was her focus. So you, um, you are open to what you can do in certain seasons of life. You know, um, she includes in this umbrella, um, taking dinner to someone, you know, it's just a, it's a regular day on her calendar. We're taking somebody dinner. We don't know who yet. 
<laughs> but somebody, there's somebody who probably will need a meal. So um, that's something I could do with small children that I, we, yeah, we did the same thing. We, we wouldn't have foster children in our home when our children were small, but we did do respite for handicapped foster children who we knew, you know, were literally in a wheelchair and couldn't um, take care of themselves. And we could do that for a weekend. It, it was like kind of hard, but the person who had them all the time, it was way, way harder. So um, we felt like that was a, you know, that was an opportunity. Did we seek out that? No, we didn't seek that out. It just kind of happened, and we said yes to it for like the one year that it was that it was came up. Um, what about you, Bobby? Different seasons of life, different things. You're do- since I've known you, you've done this like on steroids. <laughs> <laughs> but since I've known you, I've been retired. <laughs> so there, there you go. <laughs> I I always had people into my home, even when I was working full time. I would have people in, but not to the level that I do now. I retired in 2012. Well, really 2015, but um, really I'm not retired yet. I I still work. (laughs) True. Uh, But I do have time. I do have more time. And I'm also single and have never been married, which makes for a huge difference uh, because I don't have the... I don't have the community of a family, but neither do I have the constraints of a family either. I've, I'm more open to be able to help people. And my mom was here this weekend and she was, we were talking about this and I was telling her everything. And she said, but you, you took somebody in a long time ago. And she reminded me that I oh. took somebody else in that I haven't even yeah. forgotten. And she said, do you ever think that this is why? God decided not to give you a husband and a family. And I said, yes, I think about it all the time. And I think that that is true. So if there are people out there listening who are single, um, you're single for a reason. And God is going to use that singleness just like he does that marriedness. He's going to use me just like he does y'all in different ways. So my circumstances are totally different, particularly now. I have all the freedom in the world to have people in and do so. Um, and I have all the freedom in the world to say, mm, not now. <laughs> 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 so, yeah, Shana, you've lived a whopping um, 21 years. So in your junior high season of life or elementary <laughs> season of life. No, you're but you're starting out right. You're starting out. Uh, you found a community on your college campus. And I think yes. that was very um, important. And they've they've taught you a lot about having people in and. doing life together wouldn't you say yeah so i think one of the biggest things so i it's called campus outreach and it's a college ministry at mtsu and actually a girl from north boulevard is the one who kind of brought me in and so um they are really big into sharing the gospel and evangelism as they should um but one of the things that they do over the summer is called um orlando project and so it is a nine-week Um, training program, basically, where you get to go to Orlando and you work in SeaWorld or Aquatica um, and Universal. And you live in these hotel rooms with five people. And it's basically you have two rooms and then a living room and a kitchen. And you have five girls to a room and you share two queen beds with one bathroom. Just picture that in your mind for a second. <laughs> the amount of hair and hairspray. And <laughs> I just want you guys to understand. Makeup, styling tools. Um, <laughs> and I'm an extrovert, but when I sleep, I like my space. I do not like touching. Like, and I had to do, I had to for nine weeks. And it honestly, it was 
awesome training. I think you're with um, guys and girls from different colleges throughout um, the region. And so you get to know other people and bring communities together to form this one giant community. And so um, you're learning how to disciple. I had a disciple leader who was my room leader, who she led four of us. Again, it is that exact life on life. Um, we would cook together. We would ride to work together. We would um, go shopping, get our nails done together. Um, we would also go to Disney Springs and um, Universal City Walk and go share the gospel with each other. She would train us how to do that and how, mm-hmm. and then, you know, we'd have all the other staff people, we would do word training. What does it look like to get into God's word? And then you would practice that in D group and you would, um, do those, those exercises, you know. We learned, um, different tools on sharing the gospel. You know, we would look at verses like Romans 6 23. That says, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And we would draw a diagram and that's how we would share um, the gospel with people. And so I think that experience has taught me so much. So it was hard and I, like I'm, it, it's not all rainbows, butterflies, all the fun stuff. Like it was great and fun, and, but it was hard. You know, I will say, I know I'm taking forever, but I will say that I had a really good friend who I had met over the summer who Basically, most of the summer rejected God, rejected um, the ministry or the project we were on. She wanted to go home. She was in a really bad relationship um, and she was just blinded, I think. I think uh, Satan was just doing a lot on her um, and just trying his hardest to pull her away. And her boyfriend, actually, in July, he was back home. She's from Knoxville. And so he was back home trying to get her to come home and just not trading her right. Very manipulative kind of personality. He ended up committing suicide while she was here or in Orlando, I mean, and um, I walked with her through that. Um, I was not in her room, but again, her and I were really close. And so it was like that. It's like a journey through the summer of me really trying so hard to fight for her. And a lot of it, I was relying on myself, honestly, and just trying to just include her and bring her in community. And she would reject, reject. I'm not going to learn anything this summer. I don't want to be around people this summer, you know? And I'm like, Hey, I still love you. I still want to be here. Um, and giving her, telling her that, Hey, this guy is not treating you right. You know, you deserve so much more. You deserve to be treated, you know, um, and be loved as, as Christ loved the church. And, um, she just didn't quite get that, you know, and there was a moment where she almost went home. And I just remember her brother was on the project with us and me and her brother and her leader literally sat in the middle of the parking lot of our hotel and prayed for 45 minutes. And we were like, God, you're showing us right now that we cannot do this on our own. And she is about to go home and she needs you, God, she needs you. And we need you to intervene and pull through. And, by the grace of God, she stayed. But a few weeks later, it happened. Mm-hmm. And um, it was the hardest thing for me. I felt like I was losing a friend. And I felt, I've never felt for a person more than I felt yeah. for her. Like, yeah. I just remember my D leader, like, embracing me in her arms. Mm-hmm. Like, it was just the hardest thing I've ever done. So, you know, but it's a beautiful thing, I think. And so. Yeah. And I know, I'm thinking, I know who you're talking about. Um, she came back to see you. Several times. So, you know, she's in Knoxville. You're here three, four hours away. You you made a connection and that's a season of life and you've tossed your, you know, your seeds out and then God's the one who can make those grow. It's it's not our job. You know, you were you were there for that season of, of life. And so that's really like two sides of that 
radically ordinary hospitality coin coin is the the doing life with people who are coming to know the Lord or really infants in the Lord. And then um, the other is the people who have walked with the Lord a long time and might just be going through something that's really, really hard. And you're just there. You're available. They're not your project. They're your friend. They're your, they're your beloved friend. So um, I think I want to end with this question. Um, Rosaria Butterfield talks about um, hospitality being spiritual warfare, which I think is an interesting concept. Um, what do y'all think about that? In what way might it be um, spiritual warfare? Because, you know, we're we, in Ephesians 6, we see our battle is not against flesh and blood. It's against the powers and the forces and um, the evil in, in this world. So whenever there's a, a conflict in the flesh, there's really something else going on behind the scenes. So how does that tie into our topic today? I thought that was an interesting tie-in. Yeah. You want to start? Um, sure. I'll, I'll start. Um, I think that we live in the South, as you mentioned. So maybe hospitality isn't so weird down here because Southern hospitality is a thing, right? Sweet tea on the front porch. But what makes it so weird or different is that people do come to the South from outside of it. And they're charmed by that um, because it's unusual. I don't think it's a thing that people do very much anymore. And we're becoming more and more um, independent and individual and separated and plugged in. So it is more and more difficult to um, open yourself, your home, um, be vulnerable and real and honest and messy with other people. Um, so that when you do find it, it is um, striking. It's a striking contrast to what the world at large is the world's trying to pull you apart and separate you and keep you down. And I think with hospitality, um, you can do the opposite. You can show, um, intimacy and vulnerability. And, um, like you were saying that it's okay. Like the person who's just that much farther away ahead of you can say, I did that, you know, and it's okay. It turned out all right. It will for you too. Um, and that, I think, just that encouragement, um, that um, strength in numbers and the community of God's people, um, just showing up for one another when it counts and when it matters in times when you're, you know, in pain or or when you're having a baby or some of the most awesome moments also of your pain. life. <laughs> yes, also a little pain. <laughs> but um, yeah, that... Satan doesn't like that for sure. If that's for spiritual warfare, warfare, if nothing else, um, that, um, yeah, you, you're kind of insulating yourself with a group of like-minded believers um, against all the garbage that's out there. That's good. That's good. Bobby, what do you think? Well, I had a problem with this question because I <laughs> didn't quite get it, but I get it now after listening to you just then. <laughs> um, people who have come into my home whether out by the pool or in Bible study or people who've lived in my home have come from a world where they are fighting mm -hmm. demons uh, from without. And so I think sometimes they bring that with them into my home. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I hadn't thought about this until just right now. Um, not to get, I don't want to get into specifics. Um, see, how do I say this without addictions that people have are actually fighting satan mm -hmm. um and so uh, my nephew has come into my home with an addiction and i believe he's fighting 
and I believe that has carried over and has been in my house that we've had to, I've had to fight it. And actually Renee has fought it with me now that I think about it. Um, and we've prayed against it and, um, prayed against around my door frames and around the corners of my house to keep Satan out of my house. Um, my niece who's moving in, they are also fighting some pretty significant demons out there. And so that'll be brought into my house. Um, so we fight together. We, we fight that spiritual warfare together, but we don't fight it alone. I'm not going to fight it alone because I'm going to call Renee and I may call Bonnie now. <laughs> Great. <laughs> since I've known her now. Um, but I call on people to come and we pray together and they pray for me and they pray against whatever comes in. Um, so I do think it's real. I, we don't, we're not fighting flesh. Uh, yes. We are fly, fighting um, spiritually. Especially when there's miscommunication. Um, I've, off, I've thought that it was a communication problem. Like, I'm not explaining myself clearly here, and, and they're not hearing me. And, I, and what I'm realizing sometimes behind the scenes is, you know, Satan's a father of lies. He would like nothing better than for you to not be able to understand one another. And so, yeah, I, I had a friend who brought me along in this and just said, you know what, let's just take care of business in the spiritual realm, and then we can be available, you know, in the physical realm, too. It's, it's a package it's a package deal here. And so if you're going to have people coming in and out of your home, um, this is just something you need to address, which brings me to you, Cheyenne, um, because we have had a lot of your friends in the house and um, and kind of felt it. A lot like the world, college is just on steroids um, and especially state schools and things like that. And so um, a lot of people think I'm crazy because I believe in all of this stuff because Renee has just um, poured into me a lot and just showed me God's truth a lot. But so a lot of people are just completely unaware. They are very naive to it. And so they are just like all about that college life. And so they don't ever pay attention to that. And they don't know what go like what is carried with them through whatever struggles they're going through, whatever life they're going through. And so, yeah, I've brought a lot of my friends and they are believers in the Lord and they love God so much. Um, but again, they're so naive to the fact that spiritual warfare is a thing. And so when I say I want to pray over something, you know, I uh, might get a little sn- a little laugh or something. Um, and that's actually happened. Um, I went to Asheville, North Carolina with two of my friends and one of them um Kind of, she understands where I stand um, with with all of that, and so she kind of she kind of gets it, um, but she still um, doesn't necessarily practice, you know, just constantly praying over people or praying over where you're at. And I just knew um, that Asheville has, you know, a lot of mm-hmm. witchcraft is there, mm-hmm. and so I immediately texted Renee and I was like, "I'm going to Asheville. Um, I need to pray over everything." <laughs> That's and right. you know, you just never know. Yeah. Um, not in a freaking out way, yeah. but just um, having the awareness. And so as soon as we got into our hotel room, I told them, I said, guys, I'm, I'm going to be praying over this room before we do anything. And one girl laughed and, you know, she's like, okay, you do you, whatever, <laughs> you know. Um, but I did. And I, you know, and I was like, you know, anything not of you, get out in Jesus's mm-hmm. name. You know, we're not having that here. Um, and so, you know, I've learned like how to kind of walk through that. But even on a more personal level with one of my really good friends, um, I just... Again, I've learned like when something doesn't feel right, you just know, you know, you always know. And so I just remember one of my good friend's houses, I would go over there and I just had this weird feeling. It was just dark. 
And I did not feel comfortable there. And I never stayed the night because I just had that weird feeling. And I remember telling Miss Renee, I was like, something just doesn't feel right about this house, you know? And she encouraged me to pray over the house and things like that. Um, and this friend has stayed the night here a few times too. Um, and I just never really knew, um, what was going on until Mr. David, you know, kind of told me and you guys told me. So I don't know if you want to say you're part of that and then we can, yeah. 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 So, um, if you're going to have people in your home, um, I just call it spiritual cleaning. Just like, you know, you clean your house up. You're just going to, you're just going to, you know, spiritually clean your house and, um, you just become more aware of it. And, um, yeah, we weren't aware and, you know, some things were off in the house and sleep was off and that kind of thing. And then we were like, Hey, let's just, Let's just pray and, and deal with this. And then spiritual warfare on a whole nother level when, um, when yeah, when strongholds are being broken. You know, when you're seeing strongholds of addiction being broken, when you're seeing people coming out of abusive relationships, when you're seeing depression and anxiety, you know, being conquered in Jesus' name, that's spiritual warfare. You know, it is it is in community spiritual warfare and, you know, most of the time, I'm like 100% in. Every now and then, I'm like, okay, I'm done. <laughs> but it's thrilling. It's thrilling to see what God can do. It's thrilling to see the power of God on display. It's thrilling to see the peace of God that passes all understanding in the lives of people. And so I hope that this has inspired you to kind of think of hospitality in more intentional ways, in more doable ways, and in ways that you can just insert it into the rhythm of the life you're living right now. And if you don't have margin for that, just ask God, hey, is this, can I make space for this? Maybe I can make some space for this. And the answer might be yes. And you just didn't see where you had time. So thank you all so much for being here. I love every one of you. You all are fabulous. Um, And uh, we will see you next time on Real Life Theology. We hope this episode has given you some practical ideas of how your hospitality can be used for disciple-making. We hope that these real-life stories help you live out real-life theology and practice intentional hospitality as part of your disciple-making journey. Renew.org is supported by donors like you. Please check out renew.org forward slash donate for more information. Thanks so much for joining us.